0: Welcome to Keep the Faith Audio Tape Ministry. This is Evangelist Lawrence Nelson bringing to you undeniable facts that will prepare you to live forever with Christ your Savior and never die. This message, entitled Five Words Astounding the World, will reveal the great struggle between truth and error which started in heaven and spread to the earth soon after the creation of our world. We will discover that this war is still continuing in our day and is soon to end in a great climax with the second coming of Jesus Christ. We discovered from the scripture in our last presentation, number two, that this tremendous battle... Is between the dragon the devil with his pagan religion and the woman God's true church who obey the teachings of Jesus this war is taking place daily before our very eyes some of you may not be aware of this battle but everybody in the world today will be captivated by what is taking place For the Bible declares, all the world wondered after the beast. Revelation 13, verse 3. Now, since we are dealing with a beast which inspiration has declared receives its power from Satan, the dragon, we will need the help of God. So let us bow our heads in prayer, asking for guidance. O loving Father, may thy Holy Spirit enlighten our hearts and awaken our intellect so we may grasp the great warning message concerning this power as found in the three angels' messages in the book of Revelation. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let us begin by reading Revelation 13, verse 3. I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death. And now note the following carefully. And his deadly wound was healed. These are the five words which are astounding the world today. Now the question Whose wound are we talking about? The scripture says it is the beast of Revelation 13. But who is the beast? In Revelation 13, 1 to 4, Christ reveals the answer to us in precise detail. Now, as I read this scripture, please open your visual aid of beasts and fasten your eyes on on beast number six, titled Papal Rome. I'm reading the scripture. And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea having seven heads and ten horns and upon his horns ten crowns and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion, and the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. And I saw one of his heads were wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed, And all the world wondered after the beast. And they worshipped the dragon, which gave power unto the beast. And they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? Now, did you note that those who worshipped this beast, God says, and I quote, They worshipped the dragon, Now, this is a most serious accusation given by God. So, please take your beast chart and look now at the dragon number one. The Bible declares the dragon to be Satan, the devil. Let me read this to you from Revelation 12, verse 9. And the dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Now, when did this happen? Satan actually entered the Garden of Eden on this earth and lied to Eve, telling her she would not die if she disobeyed God. And I'm sorry to say, Eve believed the devil and ate of the forbidden fruit, which she also gave to Adam, and he ate of it. Thus, Satan gained control of this world because they obeyed the devil and became his subjects rather than God. So, in the following generations, the majority of Adam's descendants likewise disbelieved God and accepted the devil's lies of pagan doctrines. As a result, the world became so wicked that God had to destroy the antediluvians with the flood. Now keep your eyes fastened to the chart of beasts as we follow the history of Satan's pagan kingdoms. After the deluge, the dragon established his first universal kingdom called Babylon, the lion, in the year 606 BC, giving to this kingdom his pagan religion, which the Bible describes in Daniel 7. See your beast chart, number 2. When Medo Persia overcame Babylon, the dragon passed the pagan religion and the government to the bear. The Bible symbol of Medo-Persia. See Beast number three. And then to the leopard Greece, the leopard Greece. See Beast number four. This was the period of time in history when Alexander the Great conquered Medo-Persia and ruled the world. When he died, he left four generals who ruled concurrently, as God described the leopard, with four heads. When Greece crumbled, the monster pagan Rome, now see beast number five, became Satan's next universal kingdom, seizing control of the world. This was the time in history when Jesus was born into our world. And after 33 years, was crucified on a Roman pagan cross. As time progressed, pagan Rome also lost control when its empire was divided into ten kingdoms in 476 A.D. As God had predicted it would in Daniel 7.24. For I read, And the ten horns... Out of this kingdom are ten kings that shall arise, and another shall arise after them, and he shall be diverse from the first, and he shall subdue three kings. When pagan Rome became divided and the little horn seized control, the dragon gave his power to the little horn, as pictured in beast number five who soon destroyed three of these kingdoms and then became so powerful that the dragon was able to rule the world with a little horn and enforce his pagan religion. These continued his war with God's people, as we read in verse 25, and he shall speak great words against the Most High and think to change times and laws. And they shall be given unto his hand, unto a time and times and a dividing of times. Now when we compare the little horn by what it did, according to God's word, with that of the beast of Revelation 13, beast number 6, we discover that the little horn and the Beast of Revelation 13 are one and the same power the following 11 undisputed facts prove beyond a doubt that the Beast of Revelation beast number six is the papacy let us discuss these one by one number one the time of papal appearance This papal power must arise after the Roman Empire divided into ten separate kingdoms in the year 476 A.D. And history reveals that the little horn came into power in 538 A.D. As Daniel 7.24 reads, Another shall arise after them. Point number two, the papacy must destroy three of the ten kingdoms. History reveals it destroyed the Heruli in 493 A.D., the Vandals in 534 A.D., and the Ostrogoths in 538 A.D. For Daniel 724 says, he shall subdue three kings. Point number three, the little horn of papal power would persecute. Historians agree that the papal power destroyed some hundred and fifty millions of people. Scripture states, it was given unto him to make war with the saints. Revelation thirteen seven, and he shall wear out the saints. Daniel 7.25 Point number four. The papal power would blaspheme God. How? By assuming titles belonging only to God and claiming to forgive your sins. Revelation 13.6 says He opened his mouth in blasphemy against God. This was fully explained in tape number two. Point number five. The papacy would attempt to alter the Ten Commandments. Look at any Catholic Dewey version of the Bible and you will see that they have omitted the second commandment as found in Exodus 20, verse 4. This commandment prohibits image worship. Point number six, the papacy denies that Jesus was born of sinful flesh. Everyone knows the teachings of the Immaculate Conception tradition, which states that Mary, the mother of Jesus, never sinned. But God states very plainly in Romans 3.23, all have sinned. This is why the Bible says in 1 John 4:3, Every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh, meaning born of one who had sinned, is not of God. And this is that spirit of the Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is in the world point number 7 the papacy was to rule with universal power scripture states in revelation 13:7 power was given him over all nations point number 8 the dragon would give the papacy his power his seat and his great authority Revelation 13 two. now let us examine this scripture very carefully how did the dragon give its power to the papacy as we have seen from the beast chart he passed his power from one fallen nation to another succeeding nation the dragon power has always been a government enforcing pagan doctrines the scripture states further that Dragon would give his seat of government to the papacy. I am reading to you from the American Catholic Quarterly Review of April 1911 by Reverend James P. Conroy. Quote, long ages ago, when Rome through the neglect of Western emperors, was left to the mercy of the barbarous hordes, the Romans turned to one figure for aid and protection and asked him to rule them. And thus, in this simple manner, the best title of all kingly right commenced the temporal sovereignty of the popes and meekly, Stepping to the throne of the Caesars, the vicar of Christ took up the scepter in which the emperors and the kings of Europe were to bow in reverence through so many years. Thus the papacy admits it received its power from pagan Rome, who got its power from the dragon. But the scriptures state even more that the Pope would actually sit in the seat of the Caesars, and history agrees that it did. I am reading from the book The Rise of the Medieval Church by Alexander Flick, page 168. The removal of the capital of the empire from Rome to Constantinople in 330 left the Western Church practically free from imperial power to develop its own form of organization. Now notice, the Bishop of Rome in the seat of the Caesars was now the greatest man in the West as and was soon forced to become a political as well as the spiritual head, unquote. How amazing that what God predicts hundreds of years before it happens is that the Pope would sit in the seat of the Caesars. It is also interesting to note that the papacy admits that its Pope actually sat in the seat of Pagan Rome. I have in my hand the current history magazine of August 1929. This magazine deals with current events and is used by political students in their study of historical events. On page 827, the Pope himself writes that when, Roman, when the Roman Empire fled from the city of Rome, the Pope did indeed sit in the seat of the Roman Empire. I'm quoting. In his first encyclical, Ubi Urcana, December 23, 1922, the Pope wrote, Italy our dear native land, the country where the hand of God, who guides the course of history, has set down the chair of his vicar on earth in the city of Rome, which, from being the capital of the wonderful Roman Empire, was made by him the capital of the whole world, because he made it the seat of of a sovereignty which, since it extended beyond the confines of nations and states, embraces within itself all the people of the world, unquote. So, the Pope agrees with God's predictions, for he states, I am sitting in the seat of the Romans, the pagan Rome. Now, let us consider the last part of number eight. The scripture states that the dragon would also give the beast his authority. The authority of the dragon has always been its pagan religion. Cardinal Newman, in his book, The Development of Christian Doctrine, on pages 272 and 273, tells of the origin of the papal doctrines as taught by the church. I quote, Confiding then in the power of Christianity to resist the infection of evil and to transmute the very instrument and appendages of demon worship to an evangelical use, we are told by Eusebius that Constantine, in order to recommend the new religion to the heathen, transferred into it the outward ornaments to which they have been accustomed. The use of temples and these dedicated to particular saints, the ornaments on occasion with branches of trees, incense, lamps and candles, votive offerings on recover from illness, holy water, asylums, holy days and seasons, use of calendars, processions, blessings on the field, sacrodotal vestments, the tonsure, saving of the head, the ring in marriage, turning to the east, images at a later date, Perhaps the ecclesiastical chant all are of pagan origin and sanctified by their adoption into the church page 371 to 373 this amazing quotation reveals that the papacy admits that all of its authority came from the devil's paganism which included even Christmas and Easter, as we discussed in our last tape number two. Now point number nine. The papal power was to rule the world for twelve hundred and sixty years. Revelation 13.5 reads, Power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. Students of the scripture know that a Bible month is composed of 30 days. When you multiply 42 months by 30 days, you get 1260 days. In Ezekiel 4.6, we discover that in prophecy a day stands for a year. I quote, I have appointed thee each day for a year. So... 1260 days equal 1260 years in prophecy. Please note the exactness of God's word. The papacy began to rule the world in 538 AD and it continued its rule for exactly 1260 years until 1798 when Berthier, the general of Napoleon entered Rome and took the Pope prisoner, thus ending 42 months or 1,260 years of papal rule, just as God had said. This time period of papal rule is also given in Daniel 7.25. For we read, They shall be given unto his hand unto a time, and times and the dividing of time. Since a Bible month is composed of thirty days, and a time in prophecy represents a year, as found in Daniel four twenty five, therefore a year equals three hundred and sixty days. Two times would equal seven hundred and twenty days. One half a time equals a hundred and eighty days. Add these up and you have 1,260 days or years in prophecy. This is the exact time of papal rule as given in Revelation 13. So there can be no question. The little horn and the beast of Revelation 13 are one and the same. Point number 10. The papacy was to receive a wound in the head. Revelation 13.3 says, I saw one of his heads, wounded to death. Now I want to read to you where the Pope has used the exact words as the Bible uses. I am reading to you from the current History Magazine of August 1929 in a letter written by the Pope himself. In it, you will note that he declares himself to be the head of the papal organization. I quote, that the Holy See is the supreme organ of the Catholic Church throughout the world and that, therefore, the Holy See is the legitimate representative Of the organization of the church in Italy, cannot be said, except in the sense in which it is said that the head is the supreme organ of the human body. I find it absolutely amazing that the Pope would describe his office as being the head, using the same word as found in Scripture. Oh. Listen, he describes his being taken captive as being wounded in 1798. I continue to read from page 846 that our hopes have been disappointed because the long negotiations, although they had not always been easy, had opened our soul to the brightest hopes And what of all things we least expected were expressions that were heretical, worse than heretical, regarding the very essence of Christianity and of Catholicism. Now note these words Efforts have been made to heal the wound. Isn't it amazing? What a confession! In using the very words of the Bible, the Pope admits that he is the Antichrist. For the Pope says, I am sitting in the very seat of the Caesars. I have the power of the Caesars. I am the head of the church. I was taken prisoner and wounded. Furthermore, efforts have been made to heal the wound. Now, why do you suppose he uses the words heal the wound? because God saw to it that we would need positive proof since this is a life and death issue there must be no doubt now for the last fact point number 11 his deadly wound was healed and all the world wondered after the beast revelation thirteen three. Now let us do some very solid thinking. What made it possible for Napoleon to send Berthier into the city of Rome and inflict a deadly wound upon the Pope? Remember, at that very time that the wound was inflicted, the papacy was the greatest power on earth. Kings trembled before the Pope. Millions lost their lives by even reading the Bible, which the papacy did not allow during the Dark Ages. For 1260 years, no one dared to challenge the Pope and live. What could have happened that made it possible for Napoleon to dare to inflict a deadly wound upon the Pope by taking him prisoner? Let me tell you, it was the rise of Protestantism. For 1,206 years, the Catholic power had dominated the world by the use of force. The Bible had been taken away from the people, by the church. Only the priests were permitted to read the scriptures. You could be burned at the stake for even having a Bible in your house. By this process, the papacy was able to implant pagan traditions as the foundation of Catholicism. The God of love was hidden from the people and in its place God was taught to be a tyrant who could even burn little babies in purgatory. People were taught that they must work their way to heaven. They must pay money to obtain forgiveness of sins by buying indulgences millions died who never knew that you could be saved by grace as you read in Ephesians the second chapter verse 8 and 9 for by grace are ye saved through faith and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God not of works lest any man should boast millions were taught to pray to Mary to answer their petitions but the scripture teaches in Matthew 121 that it was Jesus who could save and give them the peace that they desired God's word plainly says come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest millions never knew that God could forgive their sins They were taught that it was the Pope and the priests who only could forgive their sins. It is no wonder that the 1260 year period in history was called the Dark Ages. But God had a plan to bring the hope of salvation to these misguided people who were held in ignorance. God raised up some mighty preachers to spread the good news of salvation. John Wycliffe, Huss, Jerome, Luther, John Wesley, and many others. These men of God opened the scriptures preaching that God was a God of love and that we are not saved by works, that the Bible and the Bible alone contained the word of God, that tradition was nothing, nothing but paganism, They preached that Jesus was the Lamb of God, their Savior and Redeemer. Little by little, fear of the Pope and the priests began to disappear. Hope filled the hearts of thousands as the Bible was printed and placed in their hands. Once again, the prophecies of the Bible were studied. They found to their amazement that the papal system was the Antichrist, Gladly the people gave their hearts to God and followed his counsel as we read in Hebrews 4.16. Let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace. Thus, Protestantism was born. Millions left the Catholic Church. Papal Rome was now faced with a crisis as the papacy began to crumble. The French Revolution led in the revolt. Napoleon sensed this was an opportunity for him to rule instead of the Pope. This is why he dared to do what no man had ever dared to think. He ordered his general Berthier to take the Pope prisoner and on February 10, 1798, the pope was captured and placed in exile where he died the prophecy of revelation 13:3 was fulfilled i saw one of his heads wounded to death but hold on there is more for god said his deadly wound was healed how could this possibly happen Remember, Protestantism was now a power to be reckoned with. Consider this illustration. A sick man who is about to die with some serious illness is taken to a physician. The first thing that the doctor looks for is the cause of his illness. After a careful examination, the doctor discovers the cause and removes it. Then the patient Begins to recover. Are you following me? If the papacy is to recover, the cause of its deadly wound must be removed so that the wound can be healed. Therefore, Protestantism must be weakened and overcome. So, what did the Pope do? He called a great council to be held in Trent, which lasted many years. During this time they gave study to plans whereby they could weaken and destroy Protestantism, which was now teaching positively that the papacy was the Antichrist, as prophecy had proclaimed. Two priests were given the job to tackle the problem. al was chosen to develop the pretendist theory, in which it would be proclaimed that all Bible prophecy of the Antichrist was fulfilled when Antiochus Epiphanes had desecrated the Jewish temple of Jerusalem. Other priest, the other priest, Ribera, was to develop the futurist theory in which it would be taught that all Bible prophecy concerning the Antichrist could not be fulfilled until the rapture took place and would you believe it the British Protestant theologians swallowed the futuristic theory hook line and sinker this is how the secret rapture theory now believed by millions of Protestants had its start this theory completely destroys the prophecy of Daniel and Revelation in which God teaches that the papacy is now the Antichrist. In accepting this false teaching of the papacy, Protestantism has accepted the traditions of Rome and are no longer able to preach prophecy from God's word as you are hearing in these tapes. Never forget, the power of Protestantism has been the power of the Bible. When you lay aside God's word for false pagan teachings, the strength of Protestantism fails. It was not long until Europe was engaged in World War I, leaving it in shambles with five million dead. Everything that Protestantism has stood for seemed to be lost the way was now open for change men like Mussolini gained control this dictator made it possible for the healing of the wound let me read this to you from the question box a Roman Catholic book page 166 quote there was no chance Of a reconciliation between the popes and Italy, so long as the liberals were in power. With the coming of Mussolini, the whole situation changed. From the very outset of his regime, he determined to settle the Roman question, and the powers he possessed as a dictator gave him the opportunity that no Italian statesman, depending upon a parliament, could ever have had. The negotiations for both treaty and concordat began as early as the summer of 1926. Baron acting for the government and Persili for the pope, over 100 conferences were held between 1926 and 1928 the Pope himself considering every detail in the 29 audiences he granted to Persilli. The final draft was completed on November 22, 1928 and on February 11, 1929, the treaty and concordat were signed by Cardinal Gaspieri and Mussolini. The treaty proper which consists of a preamble and 27 articles, establishes the independence of the Holy See while leaving unchanged the religious freedom guaranteed to non-Catholics by the Constitution. It makes the Catholic religion the sole religion of the state. Recognize the sovereignty of the Holy See as an inherent attribute of its nature, Erects the Vatican state as free and independent, declares the person of the Pope sacred, settles the statue of the cardinals, Vatican officials, and the diplomatic agents, and enacts laws concerning passports, customs, property rights, etc. The treaty ends with the Pope's recognition of the legitimacy of the dynasty of Savoy and his solemn declaration that he is fully satisfied with the independence guaranteed him for the carrying out of his spiritual privacy. The Roman question is finally settled. The Pope also wrote about this in the current history magazine of August 1929, page 848, in which he stated, Moreover, in the Concordat, There are face-to-face, if not two states, most certainly two sovereignties in the full significance of that word, each perfect in every sense of its own sphere, which sphere is necessarily determined by the end which each pursues. And to this it is scarcely necessary to add the objective dignity of the ends pursued determines no less objectively and necessarily the absolute superiority of the church. Unquote. During the past 74 years the papacy has been convalescing and regaining its strength just as god said that deadly wound was to be healed. Soon it will assume all the power that it once held. You would be amazed if you could have visited the Vatican as I did on several occasions and see the parade of ambassadors in their limousines coming from the countries of the world to hold an audience with the Pope. What brought about such a change? The deadly wound has been healed. Even the United States has fallen in line. For on January ten. 1984, we sent our ambassador to the Pope in spite of the fact that as a nation we claim the separation of church and state. Consider the present power of the Pope. He is the one who brought about the collapse of the Russian communism. It was the Pope, you remember, who was able to persuade Gorbachev to develop perestroka, reshaping communism with glasnow. I shall never forget seeing a video of Gorbachev kneeling before the Pope, calling him the Holy Father and stating that he was the greatest spiritual force in our world today. Have you been watching the unification of Europe with their new currency called the Euro? Did you know that this new confederacy of nations was developed by a dedicated Roman Catholic who has been following explicit directions from the papacy? No wonder the BBC of England has produced a documentary entitled The New Holy Roman Empire. Oh, it's true. All the world is wondering after the beast. You may have heard of the Jesuit priest by the name of Malachi Martin, who wrote in his recent book entitled The Keys of This Blood, the astonishing words that in a few years the Pope would rule the world. Beloved, this is a serious matter. Consider this up until now the Pope has held a place in the table of the United Nations as an observer but recently he has asked to be seated as a sovereign nation of the Vatican to be given voting and veto power I believe that in a little time he will be completely controlling the United Nations organization and thus rule the world and why not Did not God state all the world would wonder after the beast? As individuals, we must get ready for the new world order. What side will you take? The dragon's side or the woman's side? Now I'm getting into our next subject, the United States in Prophecy in which we read from Scripture, and I quote in Revelation 13, verse 14 and 17, for it says, Saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast, which had the wound by the sword and did live. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. And he caused all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads that no man might buy or sell save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Oh, beloved, I beg you, don't miss our next study, The United States in prophecy. Let us pray. Thank you, dear God, for giving us the sure word of prophecy so we can know beyond a doubt thy truth as revealed in the book of Revelation. In his name, We thank Thee. Amen.